You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast Nordics, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I'm Chris Bennett, and I help connect businesses with tech freelancers, and I'm your host. If you haven't clicked the subscribe button, please do so. Today, we're going to be speaking to Magnus. I met Magnus last time I was in Stockholm. As I'd heard, despite the economic challenges, there was an awesome office being built south of Stockholm at a company called Voyado. I was fortunate enough to be shown around. It truly is an amazing place to work. Today, me and Magnus will be discussing the scaling journey over at Voyado with a focus on creating amazing leaders. And for those of you who don't know Magnus, um, he's from a law background. He's been a mobile and web consultant early on. Uh, he's worked EY for nearly nearly eight years, and now he is CTO over at Bayardo. Welcome, Magnus. How are you feeling today? Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Okay, so for those um, for the people for our listeners who don't know you, Magnus, tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, well, uh, to start with, I can. Uh, it was a very nice introduction, so thank you very much. Uh, I think not to not to go f- too far back, but I've sort of always been a, a programmer and developer at heart. Uh, I started programming around the age of ten, uh, and and thought I would be doing that for pre- pretty much for the rest of my life. But then w- once it uh, once it was time for me to to sort of uh, move into higher education, I had already started. Uh, focusing a lot on open source development, and this was also sort of the the peak uh, um, uh, peak uh, piracy sort of uh, uh, timeline. So I was really involved in sort of the open source world and sort of the intellectual property world, and had a lot of interest in that. So I thought, why not try and pursue a, a, a legal career and a legal degree? Uh, so I did. Uh, and it was it was great. It was an amazing time. But after uh, after doing that, I realized this is not what I want to do <laughs> long term. So so given that, I was I was uh, in a situation with a with a law degree, but a sort of developer, programmer, IT uh, person uh, at heart. So mm. I uh, I uh, I'm so happy that I found uh, a place at EY where, where I really got to work with both of these uh, these uh, things. So I was working with compliance and information security that really took a strength from my legal degree, and I also worked with IT strategy and IT organizational development where it helped a lot with my development background. So it was a really nice way to sort of mix both of those worlds and get those together. Uh, and after, as you mentioned, after, after around seven, eight years at EY, I, I felt that I wanted to be part of building something, not just drive change from the outside as a consultant. So I want to be part of building mm. something. And uh, and so I found this this small company called, uh, it wasn't called Voyado at the time, it was called Revide. Uh, and uh, it was a small team of 25 people that wanted to build something. I thought this this might be this might be big. Uh, and so I, uh, after a few meetings with uh, the CEO, I um, I uh, took the took the leap and went from this huge uh, two hundred thousand person organization into a small team of twenty five, and uh, and uh, started building from there. What well, what was that jump like? Uh, it was scary. Uh, of course, it's uh, it's quite a quite different environment, but also I had. Uh, 
I, w- I was quite set on that I wanted to move into something smaller and be part of building something. So I was quite set on that journey. But of course, um, you have to adapt a lot. Uh, the, the things that you've been uh, doing for, for these uh, giant uh, multinational companies don't really fit into a small, small Swedish uh, homegrown company. So you really need to adapt and, and build step-by-step iteratively. Um, what, what, what was it that actually attracted you to Viado? By the way, I think, um, as you mentioned, I mean, it was much smaller at the time, but just stepping into the office and feeling the environment, I re- instantly sort of felt that this this is uh, this could be my new home. Uh, mm. And after just uh, an hour or two with the CEO, him uh, having present the vision and the product, uh, I, I, I really felt that this was uh, this was something that could be huge. So I felt interesting product, interesting sort of growth potential, and uh, just uh, really really warm and welcoming culture as soon as you step into the building. And I felt this, yeah, this is where I want to be. Okay, okay. So um, fingers crossed, there'll be a few people who. No Viado. Um, but for people who don't know Viado, tell us a bit about the company and tell us a bit about the journey we've been on in terms of the scale in this business. Sure. So just briefly, so Viado is a company, we're a SaaS company that work primarily with retail companies to help them uh, increase their 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 profits uh, with their customers. So we have currently two products. One is called Viado Engage. That helps uh, companies work with customer loyalty and long-term customer retention. So help them increase uh, the sales that they do to their their already existing customers. The other uh, product is called Voyado Elevate. And that product works works on the e-commerce side to help people find exactly the product they're looking for at that exact moment. So those are the two products. But but, uh, if we take a step back, uh, talking about the history, uh, the company Voyado was started in, I think, in 2005 by a group of friends from the university. Mm. And and as I've had it explained to me, they didn't know exactly what they wanted to build or, or what sort of focus they would have, but they wanted to build a company providing services in the cloud. Uh, so that was sort of the the vision. And they want they want they from the start they wanted to build a company with a culture where where they wanted to work themselves. So. Along the way, they built several different products, actually, and and sold some of them to other companies. And when I joined in 2016, uh, we were about 25 people. And um, in terms of revenue, I think it was around 80 to 90 percent the consultancy business uh, doing a lot of the web development work. And they had this small product called eClub at the time that had really gotten some traction in the Swedish retail market. And uh, and uh, so that's that's sort of where we began, where, uh, where where it started when I came in. And within the first year, uh, we had shut down the web consultancy, and we focused solely on developing this uh, quickly growing product that's now called uh, Viado Engage. Uh, mm. And and uh, after almost seven years, we're a team of 260 people, and we have uh, two products. One of which we acquired last year. Uh, that's the Elevate product that we acquired last year. And now we're we're uh, expanding. We've been growing in Sweden in the Nordics, and now we're we have our sights set on the northern European market. Awesome. And so, was it uh, in terms of that journey that you've been on uh, from uh, that twenty-five person business that you joined to now well over two hundred? Yeah. Has this been a rapid growth recently, or has it been kind of kind of a sustainable sustained growth? 
yeah, talk us through that. Yeah, no, it's been it's been a very sort of sustained growth over time. Obviously, uh, we had a big bump as we as we acquired the the other company called Aptus uh, about a year ago. So that was sort of a big bump. But otherwise, it's been a very sort of steady uh, steady increase uh, time over time. And that's one of the the most uh, exciting things I think about this. Um, being a SaaS company in sort of a very startup-intensive world, we've been uh, our growth have been mostly organic, and especially the the growth that we've done with people has been all based on organic uh, revenue growth. So so while we have external external investors, we we've grown organically over time. So that means we have a very steady foundation, and and the and the. Even though we're not in a hyperscale mode, we have a very high sort of momentum uh, as as we grow, and it's very a very consistent growth. There's not too many companies saying that at the minute. <laughs> no, I'm aware, and of course, I mean we're we're uh, right in the middle of budgeting, but but I think we're still looking at uh, at uh, continuing on with with the same steady growth as we had in the in the past. So it's uh, and that's that's. Uh, it creates a really safe environment, I think, for people to know that that we we're not reliant on uh, invested capital that's gonna that's gonna run out in in the next year or two. That we mm. have revenue coming in that sort of finances uh, the majority of our growth. And and should things be bad, we can dial down the growth uh, dial a little bit, and and we're we're looking at profitability. So that's a really really strong position being at, especially during these times. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, and so just give us some context. Um, the company is well over 200, but uh, most of our listeners will be involved in tech, product, data, generically. Um, so tell us how big the team is over there. Yeah, so uh, we have a product organization now with a little more than 110 people split over the, the two products. Uh, so that's uh, product, uh, product managers, UX, um, developers, Technical writers, all of those roles mm. together. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Big shout out to James, one of my favorite yeah. tech writers. Works at <laughs> Viado. We're happy to have him. I know. Yeah. Awesome guy. I hope he's listening. Um, he's a comedian as well, so I should really get him on the podcast at some point. Definitely. <laughs> um, okay. So go on. Talk us through kind of talk us through some of the tough tough lessons that you've kind of been. Uh, going through in terms of when you've been scaling the team and how, how has that kind of framed your mindset to scale in a in a better way? Uh, it's, uh, that's a good question. I think that the, the sort of only thing that's been consistent is is uh, the need for change. <laughs> uh, so I think <laughs> one of the first one of the first challenges was, of course, as I mentioned, when I joined, this was, uh, I mean, from a financial perspective, a consultancy company, uh, and of course we had the product, but but uh, most of our revenue came from implementing that product with our customers. Um, mm. So the first transformation and the first challenge was actually moving this entire organization from uh, basically a consulting where, uh, type of software uh, where we had the basically are proactive in pursuing the market, identifying what the market needs and provide uh, changes and new, new features to the product that benefits our entire customer base and not just pursuing the next sale. So, of course, the, the initial part is the challenge of, of uh, consistent, uh, constantly being sort of in a sales mode and wanting to add new features to get that new sales into backing off and saying, this is the product, this is what we sell. And and was one of the first things that we had to focus or that we really had to to um, meet that challenge as we grew. Mm, okay. Okay. And um and how how did that how did that affect the team? How, how where was kind of that pushback coming from? 
I'm not sure it was pushback per se. It was more of sort of the internal mindset at the company. Of course, having this product starting to get some traction, we wanted to get this in the hands of as many customers as possible. So that was always sort of the the chase. But as we progressed, we really uh, we really uh, established sort of that this is this is of course had had a, a huge impact on. Uh, uh, the the role of of both uh, developers and product managers within the organization, because uh, it changed from having developers sit very close to the customers, basically uh, developing features that the customers asked for. Into or did you have to retrain people? Was it just a mindset uh, change, or how how, how did that um, specific instance go? Yeah, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, um, it's. Definitely, we haven't uh, haven't uh, it hasn't been a question of of losing people. So it's much more about, as you mentioned, uh, retraining and changing the mindset uh, of people as we grew along, and also uh, going from a very sort of tech-driven uh, organization to a more product-led organizations. Really, really defining the sort of what what is uh, what is product management about, and how does that relate to uh, development, and and sort of uh, splitting those uh, those roles into clear clearly defined areas where we focus on in product, we, we focus on customer needs and, and sort of value realization. And in development, we really focus on delivering on that value as, as quickly as possible. And, uh, and what year was this? Uh, it's, uh, 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 it's a very good question. Uh, I think, I, as I mentioned, um, uh, I joined in 2016. So in, in 27, uh, 2017, uh, we were already focused solely on, on this one product. And I think around that time, that was really when this transformation started. But of course, this has been a sort of ongoing uh, transformation that has happened over over a long time, and and uh, um, so so that I think, but uh, uh, definitely from 2017 to through 2018, 2019, this was sort of all ongoing and and growing within the team and maturing. Did, did you have to like hire different people uh, in any way, or hire hire different types of people? Yeah, um, talk us through that. Yeah, sure. Uh, no, so when when this uh, organization started, we we uh, there was a single uh, product manager who was the head of product who led the yeah. entire team and set the entire vision. And we had a small team of of maybe five six developers working on this product. And of course, so the first step was was to uh, where we grew and actually had separate product teams. So so we still had one single product manager, but maybe three product teams that were working on a project basis, basically to deliver on specific features that were set on a fixed roadmap. And so the first big change was actually on board and have multiple product managers being mm. in charge for specific areas of the product. And that really was one key to, to actually have people be uh, take ownership of specific parts of the product and to see what value should this part bring to our customers uh, and then trickle that down into our product development organization and move from a project-based development into a more iterative uh, uh, team-based uh, development organization where each team would own their part of the product. And, and fast forward, what, five, nearly five years, how many product teams have you got now? Uh, currently, we have around uh, ten product teams, so that's a mix of uh, uh, experienced teams or or streamlined teams. If you we're we're uh, following a sort of a, a, 
method here or a framework called team topologies. So we have uh, different types of teams. Some work value driven with customer sort of um, customer journeys, and some of them are platform teams that provide uh, services to the other teams. So all in all, we have around uh, ten product teams for the for the uh, engage product, and then we have six uh, development teams for the elevate product. So all in all, it's it's a uh, starting to be a quite big uh, team structure. And of course, now one of the biggest challenges is to ensure that the team structure scales and that was don't create too much uh, overhead and sort of uh, um, uh, disturbance within these uh, these large teams. I was going to say one of the biggest problems is someone drawing that organization map. Uh, they're a nightmare to draw. Um, <laughs> okay, so you told about kind of a, a bit of a culture change early on. Uh, in terms of how we how we did product development or starting to do it in that way, what have been the other challenges? Why you've been scaling? Uh, I think uh, the, the second part of that is once we really got uh, uh, we really got into and set the model of having individual product teams working on their areas and taking ownership was actually the the part of actually taking ownership of that that area, and that's something that I think, uh, of course, that was a challenge, and we and we we. We managed to overcome, but that's a challenge that's still ongoing uh, today. Because as we as we grow and as team teams become more and more independent, having them uh, their their responsibilities increase. So we really we we're always sort of managing what the team is responsible for and what other supporting roles are responsible for. But I think the first step was really to set, okay, now teams are responsible for delivering this value, and they're also responsible of maintenance and operations of. Uh, of uh, that part of the product. Uh, and the challenge that is to sort of uh, really understand, okay, who decides what? And that that was, I think, one of the points where we really realized that we really need to uh, put a lot of ownership and a lot of responsibility with each, within each development team. Because if we weren't trying to drive this from the top, as we did at first with one single uh, product manager uh, leading the entire team, that's not going to scale very well. So really pushing that ownership and leadership into each product team was uh, has also been uh, one transformation. And it's, as I mentioned, part of it is still ongoing, but I think we've come a long way from, from where we used to be. And the kind of, um, we could probably talk about hours for this and there's probably a good bottle of wine we could get, uh, but transferring that um, accountability to people that might not have had that accountability before, how do you generally like to do that, Magnus? Yeah, so I think that's a very good question. I, I think we're going to touch on, on a similar sort of topic as, as we uh, go along and talk about some other challenges that we had. But I think really uh, the key point where we, we want to assign responsibility in the team is to identify the sort of key resources who are able to shoulder that responsibility. Uh, and I think at first, the first thing we did was we assigned a few different sort of fixed responsibilities within each team. So we assigned a tech lead role and a team lead role and put specific sort of areas of responsibility within those. So tech lead role, uh, classic architecture role, and we had the team lead role who's more sort of an agile coach working with the processes. And, and uh, of course, we tried to identify the sort of more technical resources who could shoulder the tech lead role and the, the team lead responsibility for people who are more interested and involved in sort of more people and process oriented side. Uh, mm. And, well, the and, and yeah, you did that internally? 
Yeah, that exactly. Sorry. That was internally. Perfect, yeah. So, yeah, excellent question. So, yeah, we took so our uh, the developers within the team tried to identify which of these persons are, are most likely to be able to shoulder these roles. Um, and, of course, that was, was a real learning opportunity, and, and uh, it required a lot of development uh, internally to to uh, help people uh, take on those new roles and i think of course and, we we had a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, missteps but i think we ultimately ended up in a quite uh, good position and what was the process of uh, picking the tech lead people and the people people did you have any did you do any tests did you do interviews did you everyone go for a beer and let's see what happens what 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 was it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the, when we when we started this, I think we were still such a small team that we would sort of and and we've I mean part as I mentioned about the company culture is that we we pretty much intimately know one another, so we have a pretty mm. strong feeling of of who's uh, sort of who's taking this in the right direction. But of course, in some parts, it was also about. Uh, about taking a leap and and taking a person, talking to them, asking if they would be interested in in taking this role, pushing them a little bit forward, uh, mm. because we think that they would do this really well, um, and and I think uh, uh, in a lot of cases that was really successful. I think of course being being Swedes, a lot of people, especially developers, are are usually quite humble people, uh, focusing mm. on 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 the development side. So introducing these new roles is not always sort of, it's not always a given. Uh, that this is sort of a thing you want to do or take the next step in your career. So I think in some cases, it was about um, us as leaders of Riado identifying some people and really pushing them forward and, and, and helping them take this role. Mm. Tell you what, if we had some more humble leaders in this world, it would be a better place, trust me. <laughs> yeah, I can think of a few presidents and prime ministers knocking about which need a bit of <laughs> more humbleness. Um, I would okay, agree. okay. Yeah, I know. Different conversation, different bottle of wine. <laughs> um, okay, and then, yeah, because this kind of leads us nicely on. So, like, so, yes, you've pushed them, yeah? Um, or, yes, some people have stepped up. Yes, you know people. How have you supported them since and how have you developed them? Uh, and, that, uh, and that takes us uh, takes me sort of to the next point because as we grew mm. grew this organization, uh, we were still we were still very focused on on the the product leadership and the team leadership and the the uh, how we wanted to structure and enable our teams to really um, build the the things we wanted to do and do that in an efficient way. And at some point, uh, we sort of a little late to the game, to be quite honest, realized that, wait a minute, the, the line manager responsibility uh, really, really becomes a bottleneck uh, where, where we didn't have enough line managers to really support people in taking on new roles and helping them develop into these new challenges. So we were we were maybe two managers uh, with around 20 to 26 people each at some point in the in the growth. And, and of course, we also had other leadership responsibilities. So that that uh. was uh, that was uh, obviously not sustainable. And that's sort of where we had to do the next transformation into really uh, introducing the dedicated engineering manager role, which is really was sort of the next step in our in our scaling and, and evolution journey. So, all right, okay. So you've got. So how big was the team when it was the you had the project um, product managers, agile coaches, and tech leads? What what type? What, how many people did we have there? Uh, like, I think well, I think we were about uh, uh, fifty people. I think overall in that organization with with. Um, Basically, one leader of the product uh, team and two leaders for the entire tech organization. And so, and so, it's about fifty people. You went, hang on, we need engineering engineering managers. Yeah, yeah, 
basically. Oh. Uh, and and that was a, a journey because uh, one thing that we had started to learn was uh, and and something I've I've been uh, I've had that with me for quite some time is that uh, we certainly don't want to uh, promote people or put people in roles uh that that they're not suited for um so so once we wanted to involve uh, or um, introduce this engineering manager role the first question of course was who could we lift up internally to take this role mm. uh, and we came mm. to the realization both after doing our internal inventory but also asking the organization and telling them this is a role we're, we're introducing uh, and if anyone is interested in taking this career step this is this into the opening, and we realized that there was basically no uh, no people internally in the tech organization who who wanted to or had that in their sort of uh, career framework. So we needed to onboard uh, outside engineering managers uh, into a very sort of established organization with a very strong team culture, and that was really uh, it was uh, it was quite a big step actually to to um, take that leap and make that decision. Mm. I guess that's why it took a little bit too long time to actually realize it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Because it, I suppose it wouldn't be it wasn't right in front of you at the time. Yeah. Right. Um, and then how did that onboarding of engineering manager or engineering managers, how did that affect the the scaling? Did this did it pause the scaling in terms of we just need to embed these people first, or did it allow you to shoot on? No, and actual uh, question. And the first point is basically that we we were very used to having a very flat organization. Of course, being a Swedish organization, that was some point of pride. So, so one point of actually introducing this role was, of course, also now we're building hierarchies within the company. So that was mm. sort of a, a, a cultural shift that we really wanted to do. But once we introduced this role. I think uh, the, the a lot of the people uh, really quickly got a hold of like okay this now I have a very active line manager who helps with me with my development, and the second point that you're you're asking about is uh, suddenly we had much more manpower to do uh, recruitment and and uh, to help us actually scale and and evolve those processes as well, so it was really really welcome change in all parts of the organization and really helped us accelerate our growth would you uh tough question but should you have done it earlier yes definitely in hindsight <laughs> we should have done it much much more much more uh much earlier uh yeah definitely yeah okay okay so we get the engineering managers on board we've got our product managers got our team lead uh tech leads yeah um has there any been over any other points uh notable points of scaling yeah definitely and i think uh going back to it i think in all parts of this that was one of the realizations where we where we realized we need to onboard external engineering managers was also a lesson from from some of the the tech lead and team lead uh um assignments was that uh we always knew this, but it's always tricky to do it in practice. Is that you want to uh, you want to promote the people that that are willing and able to take on this this new role, uh, and of course some people want to focus uh, focus on being specialized developers, and they they mm. they want to develop, and that's that's a really uh, key point as well, and allow people to grow. Uh, without having to take on other roles or other responsibilities. So if you want to be a specialized developer, you need to have a career path for that. And if you want to take on other responsibilities, you have a career path on that. Because I think what we found, especially with some of our our uh, tech leads was that a lot of them was very uh, extremely good engineers, uh, extremely intelligent uh, and appreciated developers, but 
they uh, want to contribute by developing code. And mm. being a tech lead means uh, drawing on whiteboards, being in meetings, talking to people, understanding problems, and then transferring that knowledge to the team and help others maybe implement those solutions and guide them along the way. And that's not always compatible if 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 you find that the way you want to provide value is by actually building code and solving those problems hands-on yourself. So so that was a real, um, uh, real insight that we had when, when uh, taking on that role. And we really needed to adjust some of those assignments and, and uh, once again, find that sometimes we really need to onboard new people from the outside who have this particular perspective uh, and allow mm. the developers, the uh, amazing developers that we have to really focus on what they want to do and what they do Best. Yeah. So I'm getting this sense of it, uh, Viado, and, and definitely you, is that you're always looking internally first. Yeah. And giving yeah. people the opportunity. And for those people who need a little push, you're willing to give it. Yeah. But not to the point uh, of hindrance to their career. Yeah. yeah. Um, who's Who was responsible for, for like maintaining and developing the career path? And and who's responsible now for career paths? Because it sounds like over time you've changed how how you draw those out and how you map them out. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, definitely. So now, I mean, having now the very sort of established engineering manager role, that's the the engineering managers have basically two responsibilities. Uh, one is to to be responsible for for one or more development teams, uh, and they want they need to focus on the team's uh, need. Uh, so do does this team have the right amount of resources? Do they have the right amount of knowledge? Do we need to onboard new competencies or do we need to develop people internally to take on and fulfill their responsibilities? So that, of course, builds down into the second level of, of having the individual manager perspective and help individuals within the team grow. And so if you have a need for a new competency, do we have anyone within the team who are, who's looking at that direction already that we can develop and push forward? So that's very much in the the, uh, in the role of the engineering manager. And the second part of that role is to drive change within the organization, develop our processes, um, change how we work, work together with uh, with our product managers to ensure that the, the, the team is have the right um, ways of working to really deliver value as quickly as possible. What's it like, what's it like being a, a leader or a tech leader or a project, uh, product manager uh, or an engineer manager. What, what's it like working at Voyado now? Like, what kind of support do they get? Uh, kind of, how do they interact with people like yourself, Magnus? Uh, ooh, that's a big question. Uh, and uh, but I think mostly uh, we have a very strong collaboration between the engineering part and the product side. I think mm. me, uh, so, sort of the, the history has always been that uh, that I, uh, I, when I took on the role formerly as CTO, Oviato worked very closely together with our CPO to really build these two things in tandem. So one, while when we work together, we see ourselves as one product development organization. We're not a product organization that sort of puts requirements and the, de and the development organization that delivers on those requirements. But we, so we mm. do all our planning together. When we work strategy, we set our, our common goals uh, together and our KPIs together. So it's a very collaborative environment where uh, me, me as the CTO, our CPO and individual product managers and engineering managers are all part of sort of the, the strategy efforts and, and setting our goals for the next year. Mm. Okay. Okay. And then think thinking about the journey, 
thinking about the topic as well, kind of what are the other outcomes apart from hopefully having some very delighted uh, leaders uh, who enjoy working at Vallado? What have kind of the, uh, been the other outcomes that have happened because of the journey you've been on? I think uh, one of the key points is that we've we've uh, really uh, really worked together to sort of uh, to sort of. Uh, help educate and and develop ourselves as leaders within the company so as we as we learn uh, someone might uh, take a training session or we read a, a book uh, marty kagan's empowered and, and inspired has been a sort of key staples in in, in our community and and yeah. wh- while we when we take in that information we we have a really nice forum for spreading that knowledge and t- bringing other people along so that we're we're always sort of constantly developing each other uh, mm. as leaders within the company. And that has really helped us have sort of a unified uh, voice and a unified sort of set of terminology that we can work with uh, as uh, as a team. So that when we talk about different types of teams or we talk about how we want to work with empowered teams, we have a similar picture of what that would be like. So that's really one of the outcomes that we've been had being a very sort of tightly knit uh, organization and a tightly knit leadership team. Um, 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 and how do you share it, like practically? Practically, like what what uh, happens? Oh, that's uh, of course that's that's been uh, changing over time. So so uh, at some points we we just uh, had these uh, these open channels in in Slack where we where we actually shared uh, a lot of the things we learned uh, along the way and sort of the literature that we we're focusing on. But, but mm. right now we're doing a more focused sort of learning sessions where we have actually assigned. Um, uh, so every two weeks we have almost a full day where where uh, product managers and team leads uh, have assigned to actually go through courses uh, in in uh, Coursera or some other online environment, and then we have a, a knowledge sharing session afterwards where we discuss what we've learned together in smaller groups to actually break that love down and apply it into our it. organization. Love it. Yes. Yes, there's so many good ideas knocking about that do not uh, scale because they're not uh, they're not sustained. Yeah, so you've got actually a forum every two weeks. This is what we're doing, and let's make sure yeah. we share it. And really, really allow people to take time to to develop themselves. And on the development mm-hmm. side, we've always had a lot of time. Uh, we've always had one the. Uh, we had the Freaky Friday. So every other Friday, we allow our developers to drop what they're doing, focus on something else, something creative. And of course, it's not always tricky to to come up with something. But what we we're really keen on on keeping that that time and giving that flexibility to our teams to help either help them develop themselves or or find new teams and collaborate outside their own team to to try out new ideas, test out new frameworks and technologies, and sort of just give them the freedom to to think and and be creative themselves okay um i'm conscious uh we're probably coming up to the end of our time is there any any other comments that you'd like to add on scaling a business by creating amazing leaders at Viado. Uh, no, I think that uh, one of the things we've we've done a lot is, as I think I mentioned uh, at the top of this, is that the only constant thing has been change. So we're we're mm. always very self-conscious. We're always iterating on our own model. So what are mm. the responsibilities of our teams? What are the responsibilities for individual people within those teams? Uh, uh, how what are what's our team structure like? So so I think. Being always on your toes and always being very open to change and try new things is is quite important. But then again, 
don't be afraid to test something and then take a step back and try something else. So don't get married to an idea just because you tried it once. Uh, I think those are some sort of just very general but but key takeaways from my side when when doing this. And um, and uh, of course, this journey has been both me as a CTO and our, our CPO and a lot of the the people involved in the leadership. We're doing this for the first time. None of us has been mm. involved in scaling a product company from 25 to 260 to hopefully soon 300, 400 people. Uh, so we're, we're really uh, humble about not knowing the best way forward. We try to onboard uh, the best talent that can help us do that. Uh, and and we, we're constantly trying out things and seeing what works. What a journey. What a journey. Okay. And so for people who are excited by either you, excited by either how you help uh, leaders or excited about this new office over at Viado, um, why should people join on the journey apart from everything you've said? What challenges coming up and what are you on the hunt for? Uh, well, I mean, as a company, as I mentioned, we've grown consistently for the last seven years uh, I mean, with organic growth uh, as the baseline. And we're, we're continuing on that journey. So just being being on a company that's consistently growing, is it creates a lot of energy and a lot of buzz. So that's a really uh, fantastic environment to be in. And uh, um, I think uh, right now we, we've uh, we've done a lot with with uh, taking over the Nordics, and we have our sights firmly set on on Europe. So right now, if you if you're looking for a company that's going from the the Swedish Nordic uh, point and and uh, moving out into the world, uh, experiencing new things, uh, that's uh, that's uh, something you should join. And uh, and from our side, we're really excited into focusing, especially on the UK market. So perhaps I'm gonna gonna be able to come up, uh, over and join you uh, in a while once we get established there. Yeah, I'd wait till like about July where we get about three days of summer. So feel free <laughs> to join us then. I'll be happy to. <laughs> and then um, what talent are you looking for, Jed? Uh, remember, we've got software, we've, uh, we've got data, we've got product people, engineering managers listening today. What? Who should join you? Yeah, so we're we're uh, currently searching very broadly. I think we have we have allowed around thirty to forty open open job applications on our site right now. So we're looking for everything from from uh, .NET to Java developers, uh, UX designers, front end developers, um, technical writers, and everything everything in between. So we're 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 constantly growing our company, and whilst when we grow our teams, we need to fill out basically all the roles that we that we have. So so um, it's a very wide range. And if you're looking, if you're going into viado.com, you will be able to find uh, all our current open positions. Awesome. Uh, we'll make sure we put uh, Magnus's LinkedIn profile if you want to reach out there or just stalk him on LinkedIn. Um, it's amazing to hear a company doing um, this well during these times. So whatever you and the team over at Viado are doing, yeah, it's obviously a fantastic model to um, to go by. For those of us who are on LinkedIn at the minute, it feels like there's another company every other day that seems to have scaled too fast or hired too many people and not thought about how fast they do this. And it seems like you've got a very careful but ambitious uh, project going on. So Magnus, massive appreciation for joining us today. Really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. So happy to be here.